Hey, Mark. Hey, Katie. Hey, you want to do a podcast? Yeah. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Unforget Yourself Show, where we use the power of woo and the proof of science to help you identify your blind spots, get over your own bullshit, <gasps> so that you can do the fucking thing you actually want to do. Absolutely. I'm Mark. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of Unforget Yourself and the creators of the Unforget Yourself system. Look, being a business owner is tough. Yeah. With vulnerability and with humor, mm-hmm. we'll be sharing with you the real stories behind the success of those brave and crazy enough to start their own business and to show you that you're not alone. You're not. Well, from the accidental entrepreneur to the laser-focused CEO, we have honest conversations about how they got to where they are today. We talk about the challenges that they faced and what they're currently dealing with in real time on their roller coaster journey. Along the way, we want to show you that it's, it's you. You are the most important asset in your business. Yeah, you are. So let's cut the bullshit and start the show. Enjoy. Okay, hello everyone and welcome to the show. So today we have with us Leandra Foster, founder of Elan Life. She shows her clients how to build their ideal schedule into their business while paying themselves a steady paycheck regardless of time off and focuses on serving coaches and alternative wellness providers, how to consistently turn a profit so they never have to worry about paying their bills again. Ah, beautiful. Leandra, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so wonderful to be here. Well, thank you for being here. It's an absolute pleasure to host you. Now, can you expand a bit more on, you know, where are you today with your business and who is it that you love to work with? Yes. Well, I just want to celebrate that um, I have hit the five-year mark in my business. So, yes, at the time of this recording, it is my five-year anniversary. Not sure when it'll post, but, but yeah, and, and knowing the failure rates of startup businesses, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Mm. Um, and yes, so five years in, I've got a few programs that have been through beta and have proven themselves out and a few cohorts in with client successes. It's looking pretty fabulous. So, uh, your other question was, yeah, who, who is it? Who's your ideal avatar? Who are the clients that you love love spending time with and you can help make a, a massive difference in their lives. Yes. Okay. So as you said, I work mostly with coaches and alternative wellness practitioners. I am a health and wellness geek, health nut. Um and I realized that if I got certified in every single thing that I've been interested in along the way, like I would have letters behind my name that are out the window. So um I thought well instead of getting qualified in all these things and changing what I do all the time. Why don't I just help those people who are doing those things and do what I'm good at, which is money. Um, so my ideal avatar, what I've found is like my, they're usually ladies, but they, um, they are well-educated women. Like my clients, I, I kind of laugh. I'm like, I'm the lowest common denominator because I only have a master's degree. Most of them have doctorate degrees or two. Some of them have two, um, but they're so good at what they do. They are so achievement oriented. They're so successful, mm. but not when it comes to money. Like, now that, I think that is a beautiful sort of concept to sort of look at right now because we all have our... We all want to be everything, experts at everything. We all have our zone of genius. 
and to hold space for yeah we are you know we're experts in this area or we're great at this area we are often down in, in other areas whether it's financial health relationships business i mean the list goes on so what is it like for your for your clients do they come to you when they they, they realize this or they just had that awareness and like oh crumbs like i can see it now where are they when they first arrive to you so my clients are usually have been in business for a few years they've got like their foundational base of business and they're not making much money even though they've probably already taken the sales and marketing class they're doing all the things but mm. they seem to have plateaued on how much money they can make so I don't actually teach them how to make money, but ironically, that does seem to be a byproduct of the work that we do is they end up making more money. Love that. So the end result, the tangible end result is they end up making more money. Super. So what is it that you... They actually end up having more money as well. Like uh, that's that's the piece that I tell you. You'll have more money, but they also end up making more money. Those are two yes, different things. Two very different things. But what is the journey? How do you help them specifically? Because if you don't help them with how to make it, let's talk about the kind of the, the, the magic that you that you sort of sprinkle. Yeah. So the idea is we taught like marketing talks about maximize your profits and this is your profit, blah, blah, blah. But really in the finance world, there's a difference between revenue, which is the amount of money that you make. Mm -hmm. and profit, which is the amount of money that you keep. And so I focus on the profit piece and how I do that or like where I started was teaching people through my course, Double Your Profits in 30 Days. I taught them how to price their services. I teach them how to price their services so that they can afford to stay in business because mm -hmm. that's really one of the biggest things that I've heard is that businesses go out of business because they couldn't afford to stay in business. So you have to make sure that you're pricing high enough to be able to afford to stay in business. So pricing is a piece. Then we have to get our expenses under control because if you're making all this money and spending this money, <laughs> you don't have anything left over at the end of the day and you can't pay yourself. And yet again, you can't afford to stay in business. So really just giving them the tools, the education that they probably never received. The secret sauce though mm -hmm. is changing their emotional relationship with money. Um, it's kind of interesting. There's been a research study done that shows that most of our money habits were set by the time we were seven years old. And it's not just how we manage money, but it's actually how we relate to money. So the emotions that we learned about money as a child and sort of unwinding that. And what I found is that um, I... I actually won't teach strategies anymore without the emotional component, because if we haven't laid that emotional foundation, worlds implode. So yeah, that's, that is self-sabotage. That is where you can give people the right processes, platforms, strategies, all this stuff. And lovingly, we're still the ones that can fuck up this up. We can have the best plans in the world, but we can also ruin it. So I love that you have these two very, separate but the relationship is that they, they have to be looked at in at the same time else one will fall down yeah 
Yeah. So when I started my beta round of my longer program where we actually implemented it, the, the, the education, we implemented it, we opened up bank accounts, we set up automations and like mm. all the stuff that people don't want to do because it's boring and it's awful. Um, but they actually, another research study shows that 80 more than like you can increase your savings by 80% by automating it. So that's a huge piece of what we do is opening these accounts and automating mm. in my beta round. We did all that. And my clients were having amazing results. I mean, they were doubling their revenue. They were 10 xing their paychecks. They were cutting their work time in half. And then all of a sudden, at the exact same time, all of their lives imploded. Like one was engaged and getting ready to get married and was like, I don't know if I want to spend the rest of my life with this guy. Another one started the divorce process. Another one, it actually looked like she was leveling up. She um, was getting ready to buy a new house, but no matter what happened, all of their bank accounts ended up right back where they started. And that's mm. when I realized, oh, this emotional piece is no joke. And that's why now, like I said, I won't, I won't teach the strategies without it because I'm like, I'm not willing to implode your life in that way because the strategies yeah, this, do work. It's a phrase that we've, we've, we've used a number of times, helpful but disruptive. Now, with with the work that you're doing, even with the emotional intelligence and the the alignment that comes in, it can still be disruptive. These, the tweaks, the changes, the awareness that we have that then we can again apply to all the other areas of our life. With money, is it serving me? How do I create space? Relationships, is it serving me? How do I create space? These questions cascade through, and sometimes the answers are not what we want to hear. That's why this work can be tough. And it can be, as you said, very helpful, but crumbs. It can be disruptive. So what's your container like that you you hold space for knowing what could, might, and does happen? So mine is actually purposely going in and finding where, where we won't allow it. And so... Um, I think it's like training, training wheels for emotions of like forcing us to feel it. Mm. I have some activating exercises so that they go into the image and they can find out, oh, here's where this came from. Yeah. And so we can heal backwards. I don't know if we're allowed to use that word, but you know, make better in the past um, and also make better in the future. So um, the, the things that we're afraid of that we can do the activating process of mm. this is what I'm afraid will happen. And so it's, it's like shoring up our foundation and expanding our foundation. If you want to use the house analogy of like, well, maybe you just had this tiny little house, but now we're expanding it so that we can build a bigger house. And then when the money comes in, it's like the foundation's already there for this more money, because what I've actually found is that we have an emotional relationship to at least six different kinds of money. So we kind of lump money all into one world, but there are six that I've been able to map an emotional relationship to each of those specific kinds of money. Hmm. Go on then. Let us know what they are. You can't just drop that in and walk away. Oh my gosh. I am. I'm totally going to just leave you hanging. <laughs> so it, it will seem, it will seem, um, 
like a no brainer once I say it, but we, again, we just think of like money, but we have an emotional relationship to our savings, our savings account to our debt. Or if we don't have debt and like, we'll not use debt. Um, we have an emotional relationship to our spending, to our income, to thinking about making more income. And the sixth one is what I call t- toxic money. And that's more, um, not everybody has that one, but that's more of like um, financial government financial aid and being dependent on that or really wealthy parents who still give you an allowance, but there's a lot of str- strings attached to that. Yeah. From, from an area that we coach is those energetic ties, those energetic cords that are still coming in. So to be receiving money from and have being tied to or helped by or supported or, or yeah, I can see that, that, I think that is a powerful one and maybe one that we don't often see the, what, what that energetic mental emotional cord can actually do. Yes. And on toxic money, that one very specifically limits your income making abilities. Hmm. So Again, that one doesn't apply to everybody, but when when somebody does have it, it's it's a booger. Well, I guess it's trying to find out what what are the toxic things within ourselves from, from money, from business, from how we show up, how we market our business, how we approach sales, how we approach the jobs that we do. There are all these call it toxic or all these things that are maybe controlling. Maybe controlling is the word to make this relevant to all these different places. So yeah. Once you, once you free people, once they see this awareness, once they then understand, ah, now I see it, I can do something about it. Um, how liberating or freeing is, is that moment? Well, it's actually really incredible because the, the other piece uh, coming back to making money is that income is all about how much we value ourselves, how much we think we're worth. And it's like my knowledge, my expertise of, and a lot of people who struggle to make money, it's sort of like, oh, well, it was really easy for me. So it doesn't have much value. Ergo, I don't charge much much for it. Ergo, I don't make much money. Mm. And and it's really fascinating because um, again, the people that I work with are very confident because they're they have all these degrees. They're very confident. They know they're good at what they do. And so this seems like a disconnect of like, but I am very confident. I don't see how this is different, but there's a difference between uh, knowing that we're good at what we're doing and valuing ourselves. Mm. And so as we begin to value ourselves, then we're, of course I would charge this much. Of course I can make this much money. So to your question, it becomes amazing because you just see them start to glow, right? Like, sure, it's great to watch their bank accounts, but it's more fun to just watch them glow and like own, yes, what I'm providing does have value and it is life-changing. And of course I would charge this much for it. Yeah, that worth, that's a huge thing. Let's, let's bring this back into that sort of general sort of business right now, because that that self-worth, that's um, the judgments that we all feel, whether it's judgment of ourselves, judgment that we, we might feel from other people. This can be the toxic, the controlling, the challenging thing with, with business. So, so what's, how do you, you know this with money, 
but how do you work on this with with yourself as as a business owner to you know, be seen to get out there to do the the scary things that can be tough from a from an entrepreneur's perspective me personally yeah yeah um my big thing is to jump into my worst nightmare hmm. to visualize my worst nightmare because most likely whatever's going on in my head is the worst thing that's going to happen and what i've actually found is that when you play with this the universe will usually comply to um just test this under fire hmm. of like have you really resolved this and so when uh when i was working on visibility issues for myself to like put myself out there i did have a really awful month where it seemed like i was just getting criticized and hammered from strangers yeah. from like left and right but the beauty of that was that i came out the other side of like okay let's do this like the worst has happened i'm still alive mm. let's go let's do this nice so where is where is your challenge then because if if you if you're in good at point about personifying and putting yourself in that situation and then experiencing it because i said god source universe will will bring these situations to you to really put that test on what is it like for you as you go through that and then is it like ah oh, i'm i'm fixed i have no problems i've got this forever and ever doesn't quite work that way does it right so let me give myself a little bit of credibility before i knock myself down <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be interesting okay i know i know so so my husband and i together have never broken the six figure mark right he's traditionally employed he's a state employee mm. um we have never up until now i'm going to say up until now to leave that open for my brain we haven't broken the six figure income mark yeah however we have been able to grow our assets to more than a million dollars and that was before i was 40 so pretty proud of myself for that but as i was saying income and we, you and I were talking about this before we jumped on here income has been my my struggle um and this is really what makes me so passionate about what I do because I see it in, in so many other people um I I because I'm a money nerd I logged into the social security administration website <laughs> which gives you all of your annual earnings what you what you've made ever since you started making money and which then is what your social security payments are are based on when you retire um and you're not from the us but that's how that works <laughs> uh -huh. so so i went in there and i looked and i had started my career as an actuary uh right out of college and that's a math and statistics nerd they make good money and i was laid off in the 2008 financial crisis and ever since then i thought that i was on my way back to making that much money again until I logged into the social security not made more than $36,000 
Do you mean father? Wow. What what was that like to, to sort of see that and, and see those facts and just the data in front of you? Crushing. Crushing. <laughs> I mean, like it, it was the moment of truth, right? That you can't keep, you can't keep lying to yourself. But mm. The, mm. the thing that was fascinating to me though, is that when I looked at how much I had made, the most I had made in the last 15 years since that, since my layoff was $36,000. And mm. as I'm having this crushing, devastating moment, I thought, oh, how much my dad was making as a public school teacher, when I was in high school, like in the nineties. And that actually became a key thing for me in my business, because then I was talking to one of my clients whose dad was a big wig CEO for big corporations. I think he said that they ended up moving like 12 times in eight years for jobs. And he said, my dad was making a million dollars in the eighties and nineties when that was like, crazy. He's like, all of my friends were affluent. We were richer than they were. And it was interesting because then I said, well, how much does your business make? And he's like, oh, I usually get to about 950,000. And that's when I saw the pattern because I started asking people and I have seen it happen regularly that it doesn't matter if you're your mom was a single mom who worked two to three jobs trying to make ends meet or your dad's the million dollar CEO, our business revenue, especially for solopreneurs, when you're stuck and can't get above that revenue amount is based on what your parents were making when you were growing up. And it doesn't include inflation. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So with that, with the understanding that you have and how you how you coach your clients and the the knowledge that you have how is it for you as you yeah you know, it's beautiful that you can share this because that doesn't have any impact talk about worth earlier that has no impact on your worth what you can do for other people it highlights here is what's behind the scenes for every single person it's just a fucking number but that number is different for other people the principle is there you're a living breathing example so what's what is your plan what are you doing about this what is the thing that now you have this awareness and knowledge where's your focus so combining having watched my clients lives implode by jumping too far too fast outside Mm. of what they what their foundation would allow and still seeing like this stupid thirty six thousand dollar limit i see it And so I'm aware of it. And so I've quit from, from the beginning of my business, I've quit being like, I want to make a hundred thousand. I want to make 300,000. I realize now that I'm going to have to baby step it. Like it's going to be like, we're not jumping into the deep end of like, okay, let's just make as much money as we can. Cause I'm like, I kind of like my husband. That's probably the first thing I would start to self-sabotage. At least that's uh-huh. that's the pattern that I've seen. Um, and so I'm going into the zero entry end of the pool. I'm saying, okay, we're getting close to the 36,000. How are you doing? Okay. Okay. 40,000. 
and then you keep on stepping through moving forward seeing what's what the deeper end is like right this these are the next steps that we'll go through but i think i think what's interesting here is that fear of success the fear of success is it can be ah oh, so tough and i think what you're eloquently describing is that fear of success actually comes down to is it a fear of is it a fear of loss what will i lose on my way who will i lose on my way there's a lot wrapped up in in, in that kind of statements oh are you back hey we've been to everyone listening we we've been toying with the, the internet all morning it's been couple of blips here and there. So Leandra, as you kind of dropped off talking about stepping into the pool, I just carry on the conversation. And the point I got to in my own little narrative, you can tell me I'm off track or not. I was talking about the, the fear of success. You said, you kind of like your husband. If I earn this money, then it might have a problem. It's like, whoa, let's pause on that for a minute because that is that is a belief. Yes, we have the experiential. We've seen it can be true. There is a lot wrapped up in that. So the fear of, I went down to the fear of loss. Success equals I will lose people. I will lose things. Someone has to change. Part of me might have to die along the way. There is so much wrapped up in one small fear, a throwaway worry that we have, right? Yeah. So sorry, I, okay. I hijacked your analogy then as, as you, you dropped off, but you're back. So um have you got a counterpoint or, or thoughts to what I was rambling about? Um, I I think that I would agree with you, but because of the work that I do, I don't focus on that and prevent myself from it. It's there of like um, the phrase that we have in our society of like, oh, oh, I just overcame the fear and went for it. I don't do that. I actually make friends with the fear and I let myself go wild with it. So I actually use tapping and I will just lean into the fear and be like, oh my gosh, what if this podcast with Mark goes crazy? Oh my gosh, what if like what if everybody hates me? And then oh my gosh, what if worse? What if everybody loves me? Like my systems aren't set up for that. And then then when I make friends with fear, I can hold mm. fear's hand and be like, okay, do we want to do this anyhow? Okay, let's do it. Yes, to personify fear and be like, okay, little one, what do, actually, you're not talking to fear. It's you put that aside and what, what do you want? What do you want to do with this fear of, ah, the audience is going to hate you or, ah, the audience is going to love you. Hate you, your business suffers, you die. Love you, too much business, you lose things. You're alone, you die. Oh my gosh, it's like the worst children adventure possible. But take that aside and be like, okay, with this knowledge, what do you want? That there's a powerful question there. Yeah. Oh. So it, it comes down to what are your fears? And then once you've named all of them, do you want to do it? Or do you want to turn around and walk away? Because fear is also thrill. Like that's the reason that we love amusement parks is like the thrill that we get from the fear that we have. And so fear isn't something that I want to go away because my life would be dull and boring without it, but I also don't want it to control my life. So if I can name all of the fears, then I can make 
a decision of, do I want to move forward with it? Or do I want to turn around and walk away? Mm, and also fear and excitement. It's the same chemistry. Therefore, technically, it's the exact same emotion. And this, this is where the fun and games begins. Is it fear? Is it excitement? What do you really want? Do you really want this? And this is where we can, if we're truthful and look inward and really ask the question and really sit with it, as, as you showed, that's where, oh, there is so much, so much power. Leandra, look, thank you so much for oh, breaking this down, for sharing and, and going off on tangents and internet jumping out and coming back on. Um, look, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It has been so much fun talking to you. Oh, you're welcome. And hey, if people want to find out more about you and the amazing work that you do, where can they find you? Yeah, go to my website at leandrafoster.com. Awesome. Everyone go and check that out. But Leandra, thanks again. This has been, yeah, it's been so much fun. Cool. Thanks. It's been fun. You're welcome. Hey, Katie. Yeah, Mark? Want to do an outro? I sure do. Sweet. Hey, thank you so, so much for listening and making it to the end. Yay, you. So what happens next? Uh, we ask them the things that podcasters are supposed to ask at the end of an episode. Can you please rate, review, download? Subscribe. Mm. Yeah. But why is it important? Because that's how our podcast gets noticed. That's how people find us. It is, and we want all their earballs. <laughs> all the earballs all over the place. We do. Nice. Yeah, so please do all those things. We'll be ever so grateful. And then more people hear your beautiful voice. Or yours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See you next time. Bye.